Hello, everybody, and welcome to Teaching Writing in College. Uh, today we're going to go over a lesson plan in a concept called, or with a concept called PARC. Um, it's a concept that uh, helps students do visual design with their documents. It helps me, too, uh, when I do visual design or when I'm writing any document, and so I think it's a great thing to bring into the classroom. And um, it's all just a part of... Uh, the podcast. So teaching writing in college, of course, is about this driving question. How can instructors in higher education leverage theory, science, pedagogy, and craft most effectively to help their learners with writing? And so I want to talk about a few of those things today. Those are going to be kind of mixed into this uh, before the actual lesson plan, or before I show you the actual lesson plan. Um, another thing just to think about for this episode is I'm going to try to be as descriptive verbally as I possibly can. And um, I may falter just a little bit, uh, but this is a highly visual um, episode. And so I encourage you, if you have a chance to go and watch it on YouTube, I'm going to try to make it as listenable as possible. Uh, but um, I think watching it on YouTube also might be helpful. And so just a brief recap. In previous episodes, we've covered things like the Elon Statement on Writing Transfer, and this lesson plan is going to actually put that into action, especially enabling practice number one about conceptual knowledge. Uh, we've talked before about how that is a path to expertise for students, and so this lesson plan is uh, going to uh, sort of capitalize on that idea of conceptual knowledge so that uh, students can benefit. And uh, in this episode, uh, the uh, conceptual knowledge that we're going to be talking about is that all writing has structure, including visual structure. And I think that's really important. Sometimes that gets lost in the classroom because we turn in or students turn in or we require a lot of writing that is formatted in a standard academic format like an APA format or an MLA format or maybe some of the other ones. And it, it looks like essays. And so, uh, you know, that's pretty natural. That's the kind of thing that one would expect in a classroom. And so our brains kind of switch over to um, APA or MLA template mode, you know, something that looks like a manuscript. But um, outside in the real world, writing is very visual. And so we want to try to, uh, you know, give students some experience with that too. I mean, you can look at any type of communication and, uh, it's going to have visual elements, and a lot of times you can tell what kind of communication it is before you even read it just by the way that it looks. So if you think about your phone and texting or something like that, if you look down at your phone, you know if you're looking at texts and you know if you're looking at the news. You know if you're looking at your uh, banking app, and it's because all of those have different visual structure. And the same thing happens um, in the real world. Um, uh, pretty quickly, somebody knows, you know, just visually if they are looking at a report um, or if they are looking at an academic essay or if they are looking at, you know, any number of other genres out there that you can imagine. And so students can really benefit from a framework for understanding visual structure. And the conceptual knowledge for that is called, at least for the purposes of this lesson, something I like to do with my students. Uh, this, uh, the conceptual knowledge here is called PARC. That's P-A-R-C, Proximity, Alignment, Repetition, and Contrast. 
And so that's the conceptual knowledge, but other components of the Elon statement are going to be happening too in this lesson plan. So there's going to be some practice involved. There's going to be some metacognition. And so we're going to get all three of those enabling practices that the Elon statement advocates for to help students. And I think it's also worth just before uh, the actual presentation of the lesson plan to reflect, reflect excuse me, briefly on where um, writing teachers get their disciplinary expertise. You know, our, our uh, expertise is supposed to be in writing. And something that comes back to me over and over again is from a, uh, an edited uh, a work of essays from um, Robert Connors, who's an important uh, scholar in rhetoric and writing studies. And um, this uh, edited collection from uh, Andrea Lunsford and Lisa Eady. I'm sorry that I can't remember exactly which essay it's from, but this has stuck with me for quite a while. Um, he says that uh, writing teachers get their disciplinary expertise from textbooks, and that's the primary source of knowledge about rhetoric. And uh, I apologize that I couldn't remember exactly which essay it's from, but I know it's in that collection, and I think just it's a really important statement. Um, in my own experience, um, my you know knowledge about teaching comes from seminars at Utah State University and Arizona State University, where I got my master's and my PhD degrees, and uh, they had an emphasis on teaching. I got a lot about classroom teaching there. I got a lot about teaching writing as well. Um, in the uh, ASU seminar, for example, uh, we read um, the George Hillock's book from 1995 or 1996, uh, Teaching Writing as Reflective Practice, and and I've tried to build that into my teaching over time. Um, I also had some seminars in rhetoric and argumentation in graduate school, which really helped. But, you know, really that's a small part of my education as a teacher. You know, the teaching seminars, you know, each only lasted, you know, all together. That was three semesters, and I've been teaching now for over 20 years. Um, so I've used a lot of textbooks along the way, and I've learned a lot from textbooks about how writing works. Um and then the seminars in rhetoric and argumentation, they gave me, you know, kind of an overview of rhetoric and uh, a lot of the, the philosophers and theorists, you know, from Aristotle onward. But uh, it took me a while, I think, just personally to kind of put those into practice. And so now I kind of uh, am in this mode where I have an active pursuit of disciplinary, not disciplinary knowledge. And so I will go to encyclopedias of rhetoric. I will track down concepts in scholarship about writing that uh, I think could be helpful because they are out there. And so um, I try to you know, find those and I keep track of where they are because they give me ideas about how I might bring conceptual knowledge into the classroom as well. So uh, a lot of it for me, really, I would say a lot of it has been from textbooks and now I just actively do other things too. Um, so sources for this lesson, this kind of plays into where the disciplinary knowledge comes from. Uh, Park, Proximity, Alignment, Repetition, and Contrast, I first encountered when I first taught a, uh, a professional writing course um, at uh, Arizona State University. And the textbook that a lot of people were using was uh, Mike Markell and Stuart Zelber's Technical Communication. And in that, they um, reference this idea of Park. And they, it's, really, it's really a useful, powerful tool. Uh, to get people thinking about visual structure in writing and document design. And uh, so I like to track it down. And uh, one thing they do in there is they say where they got it from. They got it from Robin Williams. Uh, there's a book called The Non-Designer's Design Book. And so when I see things like that in textbooks, 
I love to go and track them down and add them to my library. And so uh, the Robin's the Robin Williams book there is one of those. And also um, there's some structure for students uh, just in terms of the lesson plan just before we get started uh, just to kind of show you what's going on here. Um, there is some structure for students that I've built into this lesson plan. Um, I've got a practice and application activity uh, that's uh, supported by standard teaching strategies from the field of education. And so uh, for me right now, that means there is an anticipatory set that prepares students by activating prior knowledge. Hopefully it's going to uh, engage their interest as well. And then in this case, there's also some reflection. Students do a little bit of theory building about visual structure to develop their own expertise. They get to stop and think about what they're doing there and what they're learning, not just about you know how to finish something in their assignment, but also you know how does that work? How does visual structure work a little bit more generally? So those things are coming. Um, let's see, some additional background for this study, or excuse me, this activity. Um, I've covered PARC with students at least a few times. Before I use this one, I've covered it a few times because there needs to be some repetition. If we just do it one time, uh, they'll forget. But um, just like anybody would, you know, if you're not uh, um, encountering the same kinds of things every day, then uh, they, uh, the memory tends to fade. And so, you know, I will have covered with this with them in various ways, sometimes within, you know, maybe a full half hour lesson plan. Sometimes it's just a quick review or a quick activity just to remind them, keep it on their radar. Um, and so I've done other things, too, like I've asked them to define parking groups or individually so that they can, you know, uh, say what it is. And they've got that kind of uh, 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 sort of declarative knowledge where they can say wh what something is. And I've made sure includents, uh, have in students, excuse me, students have included PARC in their learning uh, inventories. I like to do learning inventories periodically where I ask students to say, okay, what have we learned? And have them make a list. And uh, maybe sometimes alone, sometimes in groups. And then I'll go over it with them and maybe try to add to uh, if I need to. You know, maybe if there's something that didn't come up in a class discussion about it, I will. Uh, remind them of it too. Just, it's, uh, I like to keep track of what we've been learning periodically with students. And so those things have been happening uh, off and on throughout the course. And uh, I just did this activity that I'm going to show you last week. And so in my courses right now, that would have been about week 13 out of 15. And so, you know, periodically I've been doing these, uh, these things with them, you know, covering the material, um, defining it, uh, practicing it a little bit here and there just to kind of keep it on their radar. They've used it in their previous assignments as well in various ways. And so here uh, it is. And here's, okay, so here's um, the uh, uh, opener for this one, part of the anticipatory set. So we're transitioning to my actual lesson plan. And so up here at the top of the screen, I've just got a short individual activity, and I'm going to ask them to define Park. Remember our practice activity with park below? Define proximity, alignment, repetition, and contrast. And so I'm giving them the vocabulary and just asking them to do a brief definition of it. And on the slide, I also have the instructions that we followed and then the text that they have practiced with in the past at least one time. So the instructions were to copy and paste a chunk of text that was unformatted and then have them uh, uh, reformatted so that visually a reader can follow along instead of just being a 
big one lump paragraph. They would do things like put bullet points in, they would distinguish different types of information, add headings and so on and so forth. Um, and so it's, uh, I think, a great way to kind of get them engaged. Um, and I also got the idea for this particular uh, practice session this that uh, I'm reminding them about here on this slide. Um, the Markel textbook uh, had one as well uh, that I like to use. Um, and then uh, another, I like to do it again, of course, just kind of give them an opportunity with a different piece of text just so that they can, you know, get the extra practice. Just every once in a while, it doesn't take very long. I mean, an activity like this on its own, uh, you know, the defining, you know, would only take a few minutes. The text, if they are actually practicing park with this text that's on the screen, this big chunk of text, uh, that can be a really short activity. It doesn't need to be longer than about 10 minutes or so just to remind them uh, and maybe help them review while also giving them some uh, something to engage with. And so it's a really great activity. Uh, from the Markel and uh, Zelber textbook. And then uh, the second thing, after they uh, define PARC, um, I asked them to retrieve the PARC practice APA 7 document from, uh, in this case, the white paper resources announcement. So in this particular class, we're working on a white paper, and I've got a screenshot of uh, uh, what I want them to retrieve, which uh, on the screen here, and uh, what I want them to retrieve is a document uh, with uh, the APA format in it, but what I did is I cut it up digital digitally, and then I scattered all of the parts, and I turned some of them upside down, and so I've got headings of various sizes in there. Um, I've got a couple of different page numbers. I've got a one for page one. It's not in the right spot because I moved it page two, the the uh, number, the page number for page two is also on page one, and it's uh, turned sideways. Um, I've got a section heading that's turned at uh, kind of a uh, an angle there. I've got to think for a minute uh, how big of an angle that is. I'd say maybe a 45-degree angle. Um, and then uh, various things. There's another uh, title heading that uh, is upside down and so on. So I'm asking them to go retrieve that, and uh, I have a copy of it also that I will show you uh, so you can kind of see what I asked them to do. Um, and so um, as they, after they retrieve it, uh, what I have them do is, um, where are we here? Uh, they open it up and then uh, from there I ask them just to try to use proximity alignment repetition and contrast to recreate a correct APA format. And uh, one reason why I'm using the APA format here is simply because um, uh, I, um, sorry, I'm doing two things at the same time. But uh, I like to, you know, show them that even, you know, it doesn't have to be a uh, fancy professional document. You know, park is happening in all kinds of places where we might not realize it. And I think, you know, a, an academic uh, paper that is formatted like a manuscript is one of those because all of the principles of PARC are in here even though it's a, a rather plain uh, format or it looks rather plain but um, it's got some sophistication to it and so uh, what I have them do is I just have them uh, uh, try to maneuver things and so what I'm doing is I'm taking the page two and the number two and I'm moving it onto the second page for those of you who are listening and uh, I'm going to put it where it is supposed to go, which is the top right corner. And then I'm going to rotate it 
because I had it uh, turned almost to the on its side on a 90 degree angle and then I'll resize it if I need to there just a little bit and this is what I'm asking students to do so I'll show them what I'm asking them and then I will just give them an opportunity to try it out on their own um, and I'm going to do the same thing with page one I'm going to put the number for page one up at the very top in the APA format APA 7 page one uh, the number one goes at the top of the title page on the right hand side right hand corner and so um, I resize that as well as I can here and um, we've got some chunks of text that belong on page two so I'm going to drag those down and I see students doing this as well um, those are going to be need to be resized and changed a bit uh, section heading that's also going to have to go down there and I just have them kind of play around you know it's kind of a sandbox type document right there uh, that they can manipulate a little bit and just get a feel for how park might work and so here is a title on the title page and it needs to be bold and it needs to be centered and so I do that uh, I can't tell what this is I'm gonna need to expand it so that I can even see there we go I think that's a title again yep that is and so I'm gonna put that also on that second page and uh, first page is fairly easy. I've just got three chunks of things. Uh, maybe I can zoom in a little bit so you can see a little bit better uh, what I'm doing here. But uh, just trying to recreate it for them. I'll put that. That's the uh, author information. Like so. And thanks to GCU for this template. I got this template from our library. It's one that we use with our students all the time. So they'll be familiar with it. And so just recreating it, something like that. And then they and these are centered, of course, so all of Park is happening. We've got proximity. Certain things need to be in uh, certain places, uh, you know, in relation to each other. Certain kinds of information need to be grouped together. Uh, others need to be placed a little bit more separately. Alignment, um, in the case of our first page up there, that was, uh, you know, everything is centered except for the uh, page number and so on and so forth. And I might have that wrong. I'd have to go back and look. Do I need to get the title closer to the chunk of text with the student information on it? I can't remember. Um, and so that's useful for me too, just for a review. And then on the next page, of course, the same things can happen. And um, what happened to my, I think I lost my, uh, somewhere I lost that second. Oh, I can copy this one actually, but anyway. You get the idea. So they get to play around with it a little bit and see how park works. And I give them, you know, maybe five minutes or so just to try to recreate the page as well as they can. And then uh, we would move on. And so uh, to go back to the lesson then, you know, just give them a few minutes. Hopefully they were engaged with that. I've noticed that uh, they they tend to like to to work with it a little bit. And I've done that also before. You know, you can do things like uh, cut up 
um, magazine pages that you find and bring in or, you know, whatever it is that you want and have them uh, recreate them. And then I'll ask them another question just to kind of get them ready, still part of the anticipatory set. Uh, what resources do you have at your disposal to, cre to create a good visual design for your white paper? So we're uh, going to transition now and start working on their document. Uh, give them some, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about content at this point, and now I'm asking them this question, how can we create a good visual design? What resources do you have? And so I'll give them a few minutes to talk about that uh, in a group or, or uh, maybe individually, uh, maybe in terms of a brief reflection. And then on we go to uh, some uh, ideas that I have for them. And so I'm going to give them a few minutes to do this activity as well. And I'm just walking them through it, at least in this one, because they already have an assignment. They already know that it needs to be uh, formatted visually in a way that is uh, professional and nice looking. And one of their tools is just templates in their word processor. And so uh, that's something that they can do. And so I'll have them go and choose a template. Um, then the next suggestion I have is to create a chart. And I've got a screenshot of some of the chart functionality. Um, in this case, Microsoft Word. And then, you know, you can use other word processors too. And I tried to give them that functionality. And I know Microsoft Word uh, because I use it a lot. I know Google Docs because I use it a lot. And I was able to find the commands for that and just give that to them so that they can play around with it. And I do the same thing. So when I've, I've got the word chart up here and I've got the resource, I'm showing them where to get it. Um, with the commands insert chart, then I also am doing that with them actively on my own screen so that they can see how it works. And I can show them to how to go in and uh, change values on the charts and how the charts adjust automatically when you change the values. Word and Google Docs both do that. And Apple Pages I unfortunately don't have. I don't have um, a Mac at home, and so uh, that's not one that I can show them, but I'm sure it has similar functionality and they can use it. For infographics, uh, that's another option. And uh, in this case, you know, I've uh, just offered Canva as a suggestion if they would like to use that. And then there are some other possibilities out there too. And so I might give them a few minutes in this case to go out and look for a, an infographic creator or uh, to use Canva. And uh, I can uh, also, you know, do that for mine and just, you know, show them, you know, some of the options that Canva or other uh, uh software offers. And a text box. Uh, you can do text boxes, which uh, I think uh, works well sometimes in documents. You see this. And uh, the word processors have a way to put text boxes in, and then uh, you can manipulate them a little bit. And uh, the idea is to uh, grab the reader's attention. And of course, Microsoft Word has a, a uh, suggestion here about what to do to use a great quote from the document or emphasize a key point, things like that. And I just kind of show them the functionality. And so what I would do in there is, you know, I would take, uh, you know, uh, a live document and I'd have a text box ready in it. And then I can show them, you know, if you click on the functionality, you can go in and choose some options about how you want it to look and things like that. And then after that, I would just give them an opportunity to uh, go in and apply one of those options to their own project, uh, to their white paper in this case. And so this last slide says, open your current project and apply one of the following options, template, chart, infographic, or text box. 
And uh, I was rewarded with that actually today. Today, um, let's see, it's been a week, I think, since I did this activity. And today we did some peer reviews. And so I saw students uh, with, uh, and they had each other's work up on their screens. And I saw some really great visual designs there. I saw people using charts or templates or uh, infographics and text boxes and things. And they were looking really nice. And so that to me was uh, a win in this particular case. I was seeing that right in their work. And it was easy to see, of course, because it was it was visual. Um, and so after they have a little bit of time to work on that, it just kind of gets them started and gets them going. Uh, and then uh, later on, you know, uh, they'll have the full, you know, maybe they'll have them all in there and they'll have the full visual document. Um, the last thing I would do in this particular lesson is ask them as a group, how does visual design help a reader understand writing? And just kind of give them that open question and uh, ask them to have each person provide some ideas. And when I do group work, um, so uh, I like to, you know, have somebody be the recorder. Um, I call them the hub. I like to think of it as a wheel, have them think of it as a wheel. And so the hub is the one that uh, is taking notes for the group. And then I like to have the other people, the spokes, each provide some answers. And so on this slide, I've got group. How does visual design help a reader understand writing? And then for the uh, folks in the group, I've got person one, person two, person three, person four, maybe person five. Um, I like to have groups between about three and five students if I can. Those seem to be the most manageable for them where they can have the best communication and just have everybody contribute an idea. How does visual design help a reader understand writing? And so at this point, they're thinking conceptually about visual design. They've got park. Uh, they just had a chance to practice it. So they got the concept. They had a chance to practice it. And now they're having a chance to reflect metacognitively about it, uh, just to kind of think about their own understanding and to theorize uh, uh, how it might be helpful. And so uh, that covers the three parts of the um, Elon statement on writing transfer, the enabling practice, the or excuse me, the conceptual knowledge, the practice, and the metacognition. And I almost said there, when I said enabling practice, what I meant was an enabling disposition, which also is on the statement. It's not one of their three um, enabling practices, but uh, I think it's also a, a useful one that uh, one can reflect on with students. And I misspoke there, and uh, I plan to talk about that in a further episode as well. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, session with me. I hope that uh, you can find this useful, and I hope that uh, uh, your students will benefit from it because that's what it's all about. So thank you once again for listening and or viewing uh, Teaching Writing in College.